Hello and welcome to this week's podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the Business Week ended 2nd September 2022. This is Ian Haydock. This week, new data for Factor 11A inhibitors, Foxiga in heart failure, Lumacras succeeds in lung cancer, MSD's India Head on company plans, and Beijing's confidence in IO-IO combinations. New factor 11A inhibitor oral anticoagulants carry the promise of protecting patients from strokes without the higher risk of bleeding associated with predecessor drugs, the blockbuster factor 10A inhibitors. However, new phase 2 data for the two most advanced oral factor 11A inhibitors, Milvexian from Bristol-Myers-Squibb and Janssen and Bayer's Asundexian, raise new questions about the drug's future. Mandy Jackson writes that BMS and Janssen reported results from the Phase 2 axiomatic SSP clinical trial evaluating multiple doses of milvexian in combination with dual antiplatelet therapy in secondary stroke prevention versus placebo and DAPT at the European Society of Cardiology Congress on 28th August. Bayer also presented results at the ESC Congress on 28th August from three Phase 2b trials Pacific stroke in the SSP indication in combination with DAPT and versus placebo, Pacific AMI versus placebo, both in combination with DAPT in the prevention of cardiovascular events and death following acute myocardial infarction, and Pacific AF, which assessed bleeding rates versus the BMS Pfizer factor 10A inhibitor Eliquis in patients with atrial fibrillation. Analysts largely focused on the SSP trials as they passed the Phase 2 data because both trials did not meet their primary composite endpoints looking for a dose response in terms of reduced incidence of symptomatic ischemic stroke and MRI-detected covert brain infarction. There was about a 30% reduction in symptomatic ischemic strokes versus placebo across three of the five milvexian doses tested by BMS and Janssen but no significant impact on CBI. Bayer's specific stroke study, unlike Bristol-Janssen's axiomatic SSP study, did not limit enrolment to patients with atherosclerosis. As a result, Asundexian's overall impact on symptomatic ischemic strokes was significant, but not as strong as Milvexian's impact, although Bayer noted that its drug was particularly effective in atherosclerotic patients. However, like Milvexian, it did not significantly impact the incidence of CBI. Both drugs had numerical, although not statistically significant, increases in bleeding events, but there were no intracranial hemorrhages and no deaths from bleeding. Both Eliquis and Bayer J&J's Factor 10A inhibitor, Xarelto, carry warnings about the risk of serious and fatal bleeds, so the lack of deaths and brain bleeds in the Phase 2 trials of Milvexian and Asundexian would be a differentiator if that safety finding plays out in Phase 3 trials. BMS and Janssen are moving forward with three Phase 3 trials in SSP, atrial fibrillation and acute coronary syndrome, while Bayer plans to enrol 30,000 patients across two Phase 3 trials in SSP and AF, known as Oceanic Stroke and Oceanic AF. SVB Securities Analyst David Reisinger said in a 28th August note that both Factor 11A inhibitors' impacts on symptomatic strokes were encouraging, 
with about a 30% ischemic stroke risk reduction for milvexian and about a 20% risk reduction for asindexian, which justify further studies. Detailed data from the DELIVER trial of AstraZeneca's Farshiga have demonstrated that the UK major's blockbuster performed roughly on a par with Bowring, Ingelheim and Lilly's fellow SGLT2 inhibitor Jardians in reducing the risk of cardiovascular death or worsening of heart failure in patients regardless of ejection fraction. Kevin Grogan writes that top-line results from the DELIVER Phase 3 trial released in May already showed that Varkshiga, or Forkshiga as it's known in some markets, reduced the risk of cardiovascular death or worsening heart failure in patients with mildly reduced or preserved ejection fraction, defined as left ventricular ejection fraction greater than 40%. The full details of DELIVER, which is the largest heart failure clinical trial to date in that population, took centre stage at the European Society of Cardiology Congress in Barcelona. Fakjiga reduced cardiovascular death, heart failure hospitalizations, and urgent heart failure visits, the composite primary endpoint, by 18% over a median follow-up of 2.3 years. This was in a similar ballpark to the highlight of last year's ESC meeting, the Emperor Preserve trial, which showed that Jardians reduced the risk of cardiovascular death or hospitalization in adults with HFPEF by 21% when added to standard therapy. The development and commercialization paths of the two SDLT2 inhibitors, first approved for type 2 diabetes, have been similar. Fogsiger was the first in the SDLT2 class to get the green light in the US in May 2020 to treat heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, defined as LVEF less than or equal to 40%, based on the DAPA-HF study. However, Jardiance has received approvals for both HFREF and HFPEF in recent months, making it an option for all heart failure patients. AstraZeneca is confident that Fagchiga will get a similar approval soon, and when the top-line results came out, Mina Makar, who's head of cardiovascular, renal and metabolism unit at the company, told Scrip that the firm was anxious to move forward with regulatory filings. Observers expect the thumbs-up to come next year for HFMREF and HFPEF. Another key finding in DELIVER was that, unlike in Emperor Preserved, where Jardiance showed a waning benefit with higher ejection fractions, defined as LVEF of 65% or above, Fagstiga's results were consistent across the LVEF range, according to lead investigator Scott Solomon of Brigham and Women's Hospital. He said the results show that Fagsiga was effective regardless of injection fraction and therefore can be used as foundational therapy in all eligible patients with heart failure. It appears that Amgen's first-to-market KRAS G12C inhibitor Lumacras has the data it needs for full approval in the US after the drug succeeded in a phase 3 clinical trial in previously treated patients with KRAS G12C mutated non-small cell lung cancer. The study is meant to serve as a confirmatory trial following accelerated approval of Lumacras in May 2021 as a second-line treatment, Mandy Jackson writes. Amgen said on 30th August that Lumacras monotherapy bested docetaxel chemotherapy in the Phase 3 Code Break 200 trial, 
demonstrating statistical significance and superiority over the standard of care on the primary endpoint of progression-free survival. The company did not provide any detailed trial results, but said the data will be presented at a future medical meeting. Codebreak 200 enrolled 345 patients with KRAS G12C mutated NSCLC who were previously treated with platinum-based doublet chemotherapy and a checkpoint inhibitor at a minimum. Lumicras was approved based on a single-arm Phase 2 cohort of the Phase 1-2 Codebreak 100 trial, testing the drug as a monotherapy in patients with locally advanced or metastatic KRAS G12C mutated NSCLC after at least one prior systemic anti-cancer therapy. Codebreak 100 is an ongoing trial with multiple arms testing Lumicras as a monotherapy and in combination regimens. Amgen reported the first results for its drug in combination with two different PD-1 or L1 inhibitors earlier this month, but toxicity associated with the combinations may limit their use in lung cancer going forward. The company said during its second quarter earnings call on 4th August that it plans to initiate a phase 3 trial testing Lumicras plus chemotherapy in the first-line treatment of KRAS G12C mutated and PD-L1 negative advanced and metastatic NSCLC. First-line monotherapy also is being explored, with the planned Phase 2 Codebreak 201 trial slated to test the drug in Stage 4 KRAS G12C mutated NSCLC. Amgen plans to expand the use of Lumicras to other KRAS G12C mutated solid tumours through combination regimens. Low response rates in colorectal cancer with monotherapy were improved upon when Lumicras was combined with Amgen's EDFR inhibitor Vectibix and the combination is being studied now in a phase 3 trial. Physicians often use citagliptin and Genuvia interchangeably, says MSD India's Managing Director Rehan Khan, describing the strong recall that the DPP-4 inhibitor commands in the country amid a groundswell of generic competition on the Indian market. Khan appears unfazed by all the action for citagliptin and its combination in India, where an estimated 75 competitors or so have jumped in with a wide variety of price points, which he believes is normal. Merkinko's Genuvia and Janyamet lost patent cover in July in India, opening the floodgates to generics, some of which are priced over 80% lower than the innovator blockbuster diabetes drugs. We've been serving about 1.3 million patients historically, and Genuvia has about 90% unaided recall with physicians that MSD covers in 115 Indian towns and cities, the seasoned executive said in a wide-ranging interview with Scripps' Andrew Gangurdi. The Indian arm of MSD, as Merck Co. is known outside of the US and Canada, has made price adjustments of around 15-17% to 17% for Genuvia, post-loss of exclusivity in India. There could be more coming with a price cap on citagliptin plus metformin after India's National Pharmaceutical Pricing Authority fixed prices of the combination for several firms in May this year. The fact that about 85% of Genuvia volumes are produced locally via third-party manufacturers in India should augur well strategically for the US firm. For us, nothing really changes. We have a high-quality product manufactured locally in India. The active pharmaceutical ingredient is sourced locally, also supplied globally from India. For the patient, we'll still be the highest quality and the best-known brand, 
will still likely be the most premium, Khan declared. The executive indicated that generics notwithstanding, MSD won't be slowing down on its patient education and physician engagement strategy for Genuvia Janumet, and the US firm also expects to cover a larger cohort of doctors beyond specialists for the product in India. Significant market shaping efforts are also underway to build on the gains for star immuno-oncology therapy Keytruda. The broad interview touches on the wider DPP4 inhibitor market in India, HPV vaccine penetration, partnering and awareness campaigns, as well as India's national immunisation programme. On HPV awareness, for instance, MSD is pressing ahead with various engagement efforts and last month launched a distinct patient education disease awareness campaign featuring upcoming Hindi film actress Saira Ali Khan. The Digital First Awareness Initiative is pivoted on knowing more about HPV and goes a step further by giving people an opportunity to connect with a network of healthcare professionals to seek more guidance on HPV. MSD India's chief indicated that the campaign has had some phenomenal results. Website activity until now has included over 3.3 million impressions and 1.7 million unique visits. We have quite an interesting model where it's linked to getting advice from doctors directly. An estimated 35,000 people or so have reached out to doctors to get advice. But our goal as a whole is first to get this knowledge out there, Khan explained. Lastly, Beijing's near-term ambitions to bring a second drug to the US market after its BTK inhibitor Brukinza are linked to the PD-1 inhibitor Tizlelizumab which is partnered with Novartis and is currently pending at the US FDA for advanced or metastatic esophageal cancer. Novartis recently announced its decision not to file the drug as a monotherapy in non-small cell lung cancer, however, citing the regulatory environment and commercial market, but is instead waiting for data on tislelizumab as a combination with Beijing's TIGIT inhibitor or cipolimab. In the first part of an interview with Scripps' Jessica Merrill, Beijing's global head of R&D, Lai Wang, talked about the evolution of the company over the last decade and the current regulatory environment in the US for Chinese-made drugs. The decision by Novartis not to file Tislelizumab as monotherapy in lung cancer was driven partly by the US FDA's recent negative review of a rival PD-1 inhibitor made in China. Novartis and Beijing signed a licensing agreement in December 2021 granting the Swiss farmer an option to license Ossipolimab in the US, Europe and certain other countries in exchange for $300 million up front, plus an additional $700 million payment if the option is exercised before late 2023. Under the original agreement for rights to Tislelizumab in North America, Europe and Japan, Novartis paid $650 million up front. But the latest industry update on Tijit was disappointing, suggesting that Novartis and Beijing's decision to wait for the combination data for filing in NSCLC is far from a sure regulatory bet. Earlier this year, Roche reported that a Phase 3 trial testing the combination of its PD-L1 inhibitor T-centric with its investigational Tijit inhibitor Tyragolumab failed to meet the primary endpoint of progression-free survival casting a shadow over the class and the future of the combinations. Roche is still awaiting overall survival data from the study, however. But Beijing remains confident about the opportunity for Ossipolimab, despite Roche's data. 
Its drug is being studied in two Phase 3 lung cancer studies, and Wang said data from Phase 2 studies will be available in the next 6 to 12 months to inform the development strategy. Nonetheless, Wang insisted that Beijing is not reliant on ociperlimab to drive long-term growth. We really now have one of the deepest I.O. pipelines in this industry, he said. We are probably comparable even to the large farmers out there. Beijing is also exploring combinations of PD-1 with other I.O. targets, including OX40, LAG3 and TIM3. That's all for this time. Many thanks for listening. These stories in full are linked in the article accompanying this podcast and formed just a small part of Scripps' content last week. Log in to access all our coverage or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Finally, a big thanks to all those who attended our inaugural Japan Awards event here in Tokyo last week and helped to make it such a success. Congratulations again to all the nominees and winners and appreciation to our panel of independent judges global organising team and sponsors. Bye for now.